0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to a Church in the Valley, like Ben mentioned. We're really glad that you guys are here to uh, worship with us today, and we're continuing a series that we launched last week called What's Best Today? And the goal of the series is looking at how to make the most of our time and how to really have a productive life. And it's something that we all, I think, would agree we, we want and we long for, the idea like when we put our head on the pillow at night. We want to look back at our day and say, you know, what, this was a good day. I did what I was supposed to do. I accomplished what I was supposed to accomplish. However, that goal is not always something we know whether how we can measure. It's something that sometimes life can be nebulous. It can't be maybe something that we could see clearly on. Should we do this or should we do that? And oftentimes life can be kind of overwhelming at all the things that vie for our attention. Uh, On Friday, it was my son's uh, we celebrated his birthday, and we went to uh, Dave and & Buster's. And if you've never been to Dave & Buster's, it's like Chuck E. Cheese, but for adults, without like the little mouse, okay? And you, you go, and, anyone been to Dave & Buster's before? Okay. It's just like tons and tons and tons of just arcade games. And what cracked me up, this, this is like a sidebar, but this is what cracked me up. They now have like free apps on the iPhone that they've now made like huge games that you have to pay for. Just a tidbit, that, just in case you don't learn anything today, you now know that. But anyways, you go to Dave and & Buster's and you load money onto a card. And so my son had money on his card. And, and depending on the game, like if it's a really kind of cool, active, engaging, it's going to cost you like 13 credits. If it's like kind of like skee-ball, you know, old school, like four credits, right? And you have to decide out of all the games that are here and all the flashing lights and all the things and the tickets and the bonuses and all this stuff, which game Am I going to choose? And so I was just cracking up because there was one card, uh, for the family and, you know, whoever has the card decides like which game they're going to play. And what we kind of spent the night doing was like, you'd go to one game and you'd look at the price of the game and think like, dude, is that worth 13 credits? And you go and you know, I had my own ideas. Like I kind of, I was getting into it. I was like, no, like we have to play the Jurassic Park, like shoot Raptor game, Right guys agree? Like that's worthy of credits. And then, you know, like, let's play the horses. Like you got to, you know, all sorts of stuff. So anyways, long story short, what I realized as I was sitting there is, is like this series is kind of in the backdrop of that idea that there's, there's things that are always going on in any given day, which are like those flashing lights that are just like, no, come to me, give, give me attention. And then as soon as you get there, you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. And then you look around and you say, well, what else is vying for my attention? And then it's flashing lights and you go to it. And then you get there and you realize, I, I don't know if I want to, want to do that. That could be happening at work. That could be happening at home. That could be happening all around us. Things that just vie for our attention. So the question of this series is, is how do we know what to give our attention to? And really, how do we make the most productive choices in our life? The things that will give us the most momentum. And so today... We're going to kind of talk a little bit further what we talked about last week which was broad stroke the way to live a productive life and to ask what's best today in the scriptures we're commanded it's to do good and to turn away from evil that's the big broad stroke of what life should be you're supposed to do good and turn away from evil the problem is that can seem somewhat general and it's hard to know what that means for here and now in our lives with all the responsibilities we face. So over the next few weeks, our hope is to actually kind of take that apart and define what good is. And take that apart and define what it means to actually turn away from evil so we can stack up many good days. So today we can live a good day. Tomorrow we can live a good day. But at the end of it, not that we just look back and say, I lived good days. But we can look and say, I actually lived good days and God is pleased with the days that we lived. And that's the goal. When you ask what's best, you always have to consider what does God think. And that's really what happens in a Christian worldview. You have to realize you get to the point where you, you, you settle that God, God has made me. He is the creator. And since he is the creator, I actually have to factor him in and his ways in determining whether my life is going to matter or not. And that's a big step that you have to take. You just have to realize, like, the measure of my life, and whether it's productive or not, is not based on my own values or what I think or what others think, but actually what God thinks. And all of us are going to face him at the end of our life, and he's going to decide whether we lived good days or not, whether we lived for him or not. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today, how to factor him in based on what he has given us to do, but I want to kind of throw this this, this out there because uh, anytime you talk about productivity, uh, it's easy to kind of think through. Well, based on how I'm wired, I, I approach life a certain way, and so there's usually two extremes of like the spectrum for life, and there's highly efficient people, and then there's go with the flow people. And you see the spectrum there, there on the screen. So efficiency or go with the flow efficiency is like the high task people. You have your life mapped out. And I'd ask you if you're one of those people, but you already knew that, that I was going to ask because you're highly efficient. Right. And then there's the go with the flow where you're like, I'm not sure how I got here today, but I'm here and I'm really glad. And you don't know what you're doing. Like when you leave here, you're like, well, I might go out to eat. I might not. I know I'll eat. I don't know where. I don't know who with. I'll go to work tomorrow. I don't know what time I'll get there. But there's extremes, right? We we can kind of paint productivity extremes like high task, high efficient. They're productive. Or go with the flow. People oriented people. They're not as efficient, but I guess they get things done there's kind of like two shades that we tend to operate in. And so sometimes there's the pull like, okay, for me to be productive, I need to be more efficient. I need to check more boxes off in my day. And if you're a box checker, that's the perfect life for you because you, there's no shortage of boxes that you want to check. On the other hand, if you hate boxes that you have to check, if you kind of write against tasks because they overwhelm you or you just they, they kind of cramp your style, you're hoping that there has to be more than life than boxes, Right. So given that definition, who, who would consider yourself like, I'm a highly efficient box checker. I love tasks. Anyone willing to just raise their hand? Yeah, it's, it's okay. Just let it out. <laughs> Go with the flow of the question. Okay. Now so what about the others that are, are there people here that like you hate boxes and tasks? You hate to kind of be like set in the structure. Yeah. Any, anyone like you, you just, you don't want these tasks because it's like limits the ideas of what you'd like to do. Right. I'm actually more go with the flow. I am. Like I don't know how long I'm going to speak for. Could be 2 hours. Could be 3. I'm just going to feel it out. It's one of my favorite words. Like let's feel it out. And if you're highly efficient, you hate me because of that. Right? But that's how we tend to think. We tend to think it's okay. You either go with the flow, you're laid back, you just let life happen or you make life happen and you check your boxes. But you know what? It's actually so much bigger than those two categories. That's actually not the measure where you put your life and the dot of your life, whether you're more to the left of efficiency or more to the right would go with the flow. It's more than that. It's more than your personality. It's more than your temperament. And the reason that's important is because if this is all you have. You can actually spend your life thinking you're doing the exact right things, but actually miss the way. So productivity is so much more than even time management, it's so much more than the tasks that you have to complete in your day. Today I want to talk about what's beyond this and that's the meaning, the meaning of life and what should really motivate us in life. And so wherever you fall on this, I hope to kind of help you think bigger than just this category. And so in the scripture, you get help onto like how to build a meaningful life. And as you get to know God, and as you read the scriptures more and more, you find that a meaningful life actually comes from choosing what's most important right now. That's a meaningful life, choosing what's most important right now. And that's why you have to have a relationship with God, because he helps us decide what's most important from moment to moment. Because sometimes today, what's most important may not be most important tomorrow. And if you're like a highly efficient task person, the fact that there's a moving target drives you nuts. And if you're go with the flow, you're nervous as well because you think, well, I didn't – I wasn't even thinking like what's best today or tomorrow. Like what do I – is it lunch? If you're go with the flow, I'm just teasing you because that's how I am. So, But, you know, the, it, it's kind of hard to gauge this. But as you get to know God and as you walk with him, the goal is that he – leads, and he helps you see what's most important from moment to moment. And that's really how God tells time. We tell time by our watch. We look and say, okay, it's, it's Sunday morning and I'm going to be at church. And then it's Sunday after church and it's lunchtime. And then it's like maybe nap time. Then it's maybe football time. Then it's maybe prep for the week time. And it's, we gauge it by the watch. We gauge it by the time. We gauge it by the hour and the minute and the seconds of each day. Well, God... He actually gauges time by the opportunities, not by the hour. It's by the things that we face. Each of those are opportunities. So everything we face is an opportunity to choose what's most important. And that's why we need wisdom because it's hard to know moment by moment what that is. And so I hope to kind of give some more perspective from the scriptures of how to decide which opportunities are the most important for you and for me right now. So it begins with like, let's look at what the scriptures say. And God, in his graciousness to us, always comes to a point where he wants to make things clear. And that's why God is good. Not everything is completely clear all of the time. But he has made the big things in life clear. And that clarity should give us direction. And this is what the scriptures say. We were made To do good works for the glory of God. That's what's best. To do good for the glory of God. And you find this in a section in the book of Ephesians, which was written to the early Christians in the first century. And they're asking questions that we ask today. How do I know what life is all about? How do I live for what's really important and not for what's not? And they were asking the same questions we asked, like, what do I do with my life? And so the writer, Paul, who started the church that he's writing to, he's giving them further instructions. He explains this idea. What does it mean to do good works for the glory of God? And he gives them a premise in Ephesians 2.10, and this is what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a word there. We are his workmanship. There's basically saying that that God has created us and we we are these masterpieces that he's put on display here on this earth. So there's a part in which right there you find that our life is not independent of the one who made us. We are his masterpieces and his workmanship, Because he made us. He has the right to instruct us. He has the right to lead us. That's what the scripture is saying here. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the other part of this is saying that that we were created to do good. We were created to make right choices. We were created to please God on this earth. However, what happened is. Back to the beginning of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they decided that they would decide what's most important and what's productive, not based on what God wanted, but what they wanted. So they thought what's best today is what they wanted, their own wills, their own desires, their own options. And from that time, when a man and woman decided to go their own way and define the good life outside of God, that's when sin entered the world. And the reason being productive and deciding what's best and making the right choices is so hard is because things are no longer perfect. They're messed up. That's what sin did. So if you experience that feeling of trying to take two steps forward and then three steps back and then two steps forward and four steps back and five steps forward and and you feel like you can never get ahead, it's the product of where we are. The fact that sin entered and it messed up what God created us to do. But here's the good news. This passage is describing what we were made to do and then what Jesus Christ recreated us to do. When it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, there's the sense of when you turn to follow Jesus Christ, you get back to the purpose in which God made you. So when people talk about deciding to follow Christ, turning your life over to him, changing roads, stop going your own way and going God's way. They're talking about this idea of we're getting back to the purpose for which we're made. And that's to be his masterpiece, his workmanship. That he created us to do, things got messed up because of sin, but through Christ, we can get back there. So this is very interesting because in this one verse... You really find that choosing what's best and making the most of the opportunities and being productive and accomplishing what is needed in this life only happens really through Jesus Christ. So there's this line that's drawn in the scriptures. The good life is found inside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Choosing what's best flows from knowing him. Day by day. So we should be compelled to share this. We should be compelled to live like this. The fact that we are reconnected through Jesus Christ. To the life that he has always wanted us to live. In a nutshell that's what the Christian life is all about. Now I want to say this too. We aren't actually made right by our good works. There's nothing that we can do. That makes us okay before God. Because of sin, we are separated. And that's why created in Christ Jesus is the most important part of that passage. It's the idea that we have to turn to him to be made right. We have to turn to him to really experience what God can do through us again. It's through Jesus Christ. That's when the good works can flow. After we have decided to follow him. We can't earn it. We can't persuade. We can't leverage. We have to come to the point where we realize, like, God, I I can only choose what's best as I choose to follow you and accept what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross to save me from my sin from going my own way. This is why Jesus Christ is such a big deal. It's the new hope that we have. And so as you kind of wrestle with that, and you get to the point that, okay, well, this is, this is the road. This is the road to learning what's best. It's through Jesus Christ. There's more things that happen as you, as you get to know Christ, and I want to talk about that as well. In the scriptures, there's three general statements which define what is good. Okay, and if you're following along, you're not going to see these in your, your outline, but I want to explain these because this is important. As we talk about doing good, it's easy to define that differently based on your own preferences or based on your own experiences doing good might look like this to one person or it might look like something else to someone else but in the scriptures there's these three statements that define good and and purpose and objectives so when you talk about doing good it fits within these three things the first is uh it's good to love god and to love others that's what's called the great commandment So I do good as I love God, first and foremost, with everything in me, not just a piece of my life, but my whole life. And then to love others. I can't love God and have a disregard for other people. My love for God should motivate my love for others. It's easy to get that twisted, too. Sometimes our love for God goes by the wayside because of the longing for the love of others or the longing to love other people. But it always flows in Scripture. You love God, and because of that, you realize that he has called us to love others. That's the great commandment. That is good. When you love God and you love others, that is good. That can happen on a daily basis. As you choose to spend time with God and sacrifice your time to actually do what he wants, that is good. When you choose to let somebody else go in front of you in a line, that is good. You love them. Yesterday, I was uh, getting dinner ready, and we were all kind of hanging out as a family, and and there was like a piece of steak left over. And my daughter asked in the car on the way home from where we were, is the steak still in the fridge? And every part of me just wanted to not hear her. You know why? Because I wanted the steak when I got home. Like I really did. I wanted the steak. And then I said, yeah, yeah, it's still, it's still in there. And then I hear in the, another, another child in the back seat, like, oh, I, I want steak too. And I'm, I'm like seeing the portions like being divided. And then my third child like, yeah, steak. And, and I'm calculating the size in my head, dividing by four because like I still want steak. And I started realizing, like, this is now this is like beef jerky status. You know, this is like a strip. But it's interesting because what was going on in my head was like, will I love them? Seriously. Because love is sacrifice. And steak is on the table. Literally. <laughs> but what, the, what I was wrestling with is like, I, I didn't want to do that. I really didn't. but it worked out in the end cuz the, uh, the, the youngest got distracted and they both had cereal. <laughs> and so the division was only 2 and it worked out for everybody. Okay? But in my head, I'm I'm just telling you this cuz this is how it happens. A lot of times you're like, "Oh, I got to love. I just got to love them." Sometimes you just got to give up the stake. You just got to give it up. It's steak. Love somebody, give it to them. But the struggle is real. It was good stake. OK, but that's that's love. OK, so that's the great commandment. Love God, love others. The Great Commission. This is another thing that is extremely good and extremely important for every Christ follower. And the Great Commission is to tell others about Jesus Christ and to make disciples. The idea is I've walked with God. I've learned from him and he has made the biggest and most important difference in my life. And because the good life is experienced Within following him, I want you to experience that life as well. And would you like to hear about the difference that Jesus Christ has made in my life? That's what the Great Commission is. You live your life for God and realize that he intersects you with people again and again that are opportunities to share how Jesus has made a difference in your life. That is good. So loving God, loving others, that's the Great Commandment. The Great Commission is... Share your faith. We are made to share our faith with others. We can't determine what's best and that not be a part of it. We can't figure out our schedule and sharing with others not be in there. Because it's the purpose for which we are made loving God, loving others, and sharing our faith. The third thing is the great mandate. And you find this, again, to Adam and Eve, this instruction that he gave. And this is what I want to focus on today. We're going to talk a little bit more about loving God and loving others next week. But today, the great mandate is a command that's given to Adam and Eve in Genesis 128. And this is what it says. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This idea of the great mandate is God has put us here to manage our responsibilities in a way that pleases him. So we talk about loving God and loving others. And in the scriptures you find sharing our faith with others, all of those are crucial and they're essential. You can't cut those out. They have to exist in your schedule. They have to exist in your measure of what your life is going to count for. But just like those, this has to exist as well. And the reason this is so important is because if God has made us to manage and to get dominion, that's what it means is you're getting dominion. You're using your strength and your skill to bring something under control, to manage what he's given us. Here the command is specific to creation. But really, it's everything that's under our responsibility, anything that's on our plate. God wants us to manage in a way that is pleasing to him. The reason that's so important is oftentimes we want to talk about being productive and we want to talk about the good life and doing what's best. And we tend to think a lot of times big picture dreams that we want to accomplish. And what's best in my life is if I get that job in that area. Or what's best is if I can have that relationship At this certain time. If I can experience this. Or that. But the great mandate is saying. All the responsibilities that you have. From big to small. Has meaning. As you give glory to God. So loving God. Loving others. Sharing our faith. And making disciples. And at the same time managing our responsibilities all of this is good so you think about the different responsibilities that we have in a day there's things that we like to do and there's things that we don't like to do right anybody love getting your mail anybody hate it because you're like it's just going to be junk Answering phone calls. Anyone like just love talking on the phone? Anyone just hate that like you're like phones shouldn't even exist. There's a text button for a reason. We don't need to talk anymore. And you get kind of in that rule like if you text somebody and they call you back, does that irritate you? It's like they've broken like the rule. You always answer with what you were given. Isn't that scripture? No, it's not. But right, it's this, you know, we have all these preferences. But the great mandate is saying, whatever you do, you can choose to actually decide that you will do that for the glory of God. Now, that sounds like so spiritual. Like, it kind of sounds like it doesn't even make sense. Like, I'm going to go check my mail. Thank you, Lord. This is just, I can hold the mail in my hands. And I just, I thank you. And it can just seem like that's just nonsense. But It's not necessarily what you say when you do the tasks. It's the attitude that you have. And oftentimes we put things in what I want to do in life over here and what I don't want to do in life over here. Things that I enjoy, things that I don't. And we have those. We have it in family life. There's things that we love in our family to do. And there's things that we despise to do. There's things that we love about being a student. There's things that we hate about being a student. There's things I love about my job. There's things I hate about my job. Right, and We tend to think just two boxes. What I love, what I hate. Hopefully I get to do more of what I love and less of what I hate. Good life, bad life. This is saying everything you've been given to do can be good. You may not like it as much as other things, but it can be good. For, for the glory of God. And God is pleased when we, we look at him. And so I'm going to explain a little bit more of that later of, of how to do that specifically. But but let's move on. So that's, that's the great mandate. And we looked briefly at the great commission. We looked briefly at the great commandment. So where do we go from here? Well, if you dig into the scriptures, this idea of choosing what's best is looking at opportunity to opportunity. We were made to do good works and recreated in Christ Jesus to do that. Where, where does that That lead us. Well, whatever you face in your life. From the things that you like to do. And the things that you don't like to do. You can still choose to do that with excellence. Okay. And why why is that important? Why is excellence something that we should actually consider in life? Doing things excellently. in In a good way. Well, it goes back to why we were made. The great objective of my life is to glorify God. In what? In everything. In what? In everything. That's the great objective. To glorify God no matter what we face. And this is what it says in Ephesians, a few verses ahead of what I read in two ten. This is two four through seven. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, that's describing what I talked about. We're going our own way. We've missed the productive life as soon as we decide to be independent of God. It says he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved again. Good works doesn't save you. But as you choose the grace of God, which means despite what I've done, Christ has forgiven me, that's when you can actually experience the good works that flows from knowing God. So this idea, he's. And then in six and seven and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus jesus what this is saying is as you face everything in your life you have a choice of how you handle it you have a choice of how you view it you have a choice of how you execute it that's from a relationship that you have that's from a project you have in uh, at work that's from handle how you handle your chores at your house what this passage is saying is again the display that god wants to show and in here the description goes further The goal of God, as we turn to Christ Jesus, is so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. The way that he shows the immeasurable riches is in the lives of those who follow him. That's why the great objective is to glorify him. And glorifying him can basically be defined by three things. You're not going to see this on the the handout. But the way you glorify God with everything you face, whether it's a big responsibility, whether it's small, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a project, whether it's a chore, whether it's your commute to work, whatever you face, it's three things. First, you ask God for help. With what you face, you ask God for help. You know, I, I don't do that all the time. A lot of times, I approach something. I say, "I'm just going to do this myself. I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to make it happen." And then things don't work out the way I thought, and people didn't do what I thought they were going to do, and the results didn't turn out the way I thought. Before I know it, I'm just, I'm in the mud, and I'm stuck, and I'm like, "Oh God, I need your help because I'm stuck in the mud of this circumstance that I didn't expect." And then I turn to God and ask Him for help, and as I rely on him, I can begin to kind of climb out of the mud. But what God wants our reflexes to be is we, we, we look to him and we, we ask him for help on the front end with whatever we face. Why would we do that? Because the goal of it is to give him the credit. It's to acknowledge him. He exists. And we want people to know he exists by what we do. So part of how you give glory to God is first you... You ask him for help. Second, whatever you face, you do it with excellence. What is excellence? It's doing the best you can do with the resources you have. Have you done the best with the resources you have? It's not perfection. Excellence isn't perfection. But can you mow your lawn? With excellence. Well, if you don't have a lawnmower. Your excellence may be different than a guy who has the John Deere riding mower. But how would you figure that out? How would you cut your grass without a lawnmower? The guys are all getting like, oh, I, let's figure that out. Uh, that's going to be a sidetrack. But there's the idea It's excellence. OK, these are the resources I have. How can I do it? With the, the best way. So you ask God for help. You do whatever you face with excellence. And the third is you give him credit. That's how you give him glory. When he gave you the help in the moment to do things in an excellent way and things turn out good. There's every part in you that just as people acknowledge like, wow, the way you handle that, that was great. You just want to say, yeah, it's amazing. It all worked out. Right? He helped us. And I did it with excellence. And then as things come about, who gets the credit? And glorifying God is you always look for opportunities to point back. Why? Because God has put us on display. Right? If you go to a museum and you see this beautiful painting by a famous artist, you're not thinking like, wow, that that art wow, that art is just amazing. I, I love that art. Like, let's just give credit to the art. No, you don't give credit to the art. You give the credit to the artist, right? And that's what it is in life. The idea is as you ask God for help, you do things with excellence. We want people to give credit back to God. And They're not going to see it, but it's just the choice we make. We give the credit to him who's helping us moment by moment From doing the chores in our house to finishing the project at work. From loving somebody who's tough to love. To this relationship that that we need to make right when it's messed up. All that can be used for the glory of God. So that's the objective. Glorify God. Ask him for help. Work with excellence and give him credit. And why is that important? Well, it goes back again to why we were made. And God made me to do good works. And this completes the thought of the passage. If you look at verse 8 and 9, it says this. If you can put it up there. It says for by grace you've been saved through faith and this not and this is not your own doing. So, if you get the theme of this passage again and again, it's there's something that God wants to do through you as you do life his way. But it's never about you. It's never about your own credit. It's never about your own resume. It's never about your own skill. It's never about your own uh, personality. The productive life flows from the grace of God. That's what it's about. God's work in you. It is the gift of God, talking about his grace, not a result of works. Again, we can't be productive outside of ourselves so that no one may boast For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's verse 10 again. So you can kind of see how this all fits together. The picture is everything in us because of sin wants to be productive and to accomplish great things. And as we accomplish them for us to say, look at me and what I've accomplished. That's what the life is like without Jesus Christ. At its core, it's about look at what I've done. The Christian, as they choose to follow Jesus, has to battle that thought. It's still there. That look at me, I want credit. But because of the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ, we can deflect the credit from ourselves and give it to God in all the different opportunities we have. And you see how that actually leads to us accomplishing the great commandment. That's how we love God. And as we give God credit, that allows us to actually share the difference that Jesus Christ makes. That's the Great Commission. And as we handle all of our responsibilities in a way that pleases God and sees that they count, cleaning my car counts, washing the dishes counts, changing diaper counts, then we actually live the great mandate as well. So this is what God wants done. As I wrap up, the only way that this will really kind of help us is if, we take a personal inventory. So if, if you're following the handout on the back side, there's a personal inventory. If you're not following the handout, I still encourage you, if you don't have a program, to pick one up and look at that. Because the questions that I, I want you to ask will help you kind of determine where you're at. In your measure of how you're defining your life and whether you're being productive. Okay, so there's certain questions I'm not going to spend a lot of time. but if we could just show them on the screen, you'll get the flavor of what we're going to talk about. The first question is this. When I wake up, what do I look forward to in my day? What do I dread facing? Reason that's important is I've talked about. We usually measure life by doing the things we want to do and avoiding the things we don't. And life is usually not as good when we're doing the things we don't want to do. And so you have to begin to think, well, what is that for me? What are the things that I dread facing that I just hope I don't have to do? And when I do it, I avoid it because that impacts your choices. That impacts what you do with your time. So it's good to know that. The second question, for the things I dread or I'm motivated to do, so vice versa, what are ways I can glorify God as I face them? So, What are you facing right now that you can ask God for help? What would excellence look like for that thing that you're dreading? What would excellence look like for that thing that you're looking forward to or you're motivated to do? Motivation is very important. And then how could I do that and give God credit for it? So that's the second question. The third question is, are there areas of my life where I am disengaged and checked out? At work, in your family, your relationships, your friendships, uh, in your ministry, uh, here, even at Church in the Valley. Have you just found yourself kind of checking out? Like you're just not as interested in the relationships, in serving, and you just kind of taking steps back. And then the, the last part of that question, why? Okay. Why do you think? You're disengaged, and why do you think you're not motivated, you're uninterested? Only you can answer that, but I encourage you to do this. This is a good process because it kind of allows you to see the lenses from which you're seeing your life. Okay, and then the last question, am I making the best use of my time? We could spend so much time talking about time management. And different skills and kind of different quadrants to be productive and not focus on or focus on. But the bottom line is, we all have to ask the question, am I making the best use of my time? And to answer that, you have to think, well, is there anything I'm doing where I'm wasting it? Am I doing the right things? Where does loving God and loving others fit in? Where does sharing about Christ, the Great Commission, fit in? Okay? Am I dropping the balls in major responsibilities? Why is that? So I encourage you this next week, work through those questions. So as the band comes up and we're going to wrap up the service, take that sheet with you. I encourage you as a next step to take that personal inventory this week. Take it. Ask those questions. Wrestle with it. Okay, that's your first next step. If you want another next step, share your answers. With somebody in this room. Maybe it's somebody that you're in in small group with. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a roommate. But share if there's something that just as you work through this, that you think would be good to share with somebody. Share it. What you find is through the sharing and through listening to each other, that could be a tremendous source of encouragement as you realize, like, okay, we're in this together. We're trying to figure this out. And then the third is, is just ask God for help in blank. If they're just, you're overwhelmed and you need his help, that's a big part of giving him glory. So what is it that you need his help in right now? So I encourage you to think through that. I'm going to pray, then we're going to receive our offering. as so that comes by, and we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the purpose that you give. And you actually want us to live a life of meaning. Uh, you made us that way. You, you made us to actually want to count for something. God, help us to see if there's any of our, the areas of our life where we want credit and we want to make life for ourselves outside of you. God, will you forgive us for independence, forgive us for pride, uh, forgive us for selfishness. God, show us if there's anything in our hearts that is preventing us from really experiencing the good life that you want from us. So as people work through these inventories, I pray that you'll speak to them, encourage them, challenge them, convict them. And God, may it help us to be the men and women that you want us to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.